This is a headgum podcast. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey. Call the cops. Hey. This level of foolishness hey. and joy. Hey. You said we have a hey. door. Now watch hey. this guy. Great ass. Hey. Damn it. Hey. Shisha. Sicario. Bruce fucking Springsteen. Damn it. Hey. Yeah, people are going to die. Yeah, baby. Hey, y'all, this is Amy Grant, and you're listening to Good Christian Fun. Good Christian Fun is the podcast where Kevin and Caroline talk about Christian pop culture, the movies, the music, the entertainment made for and by Christians. But they're not here to make fun of you or to make you go to church. They're just here to have fun. Also, fuck the police. (laughs) Is that really Amy Grant? Kevin, you're upset. At, you've upset me. Oh, you've Dex, upset I'm Dexter. <laughs> you've upset the very fabric of reality. This is when it starts to get a little <laughs> ethically gray yeah. as far as the. Uh, yeah. You should definitely tell people. Employment of certain technologies. Yeah, alert her team. But you know what? We can always say in parentheses in the show description parody. <laughs> so anything we say on the show, parody. Makes sense. Apparently, yeah. myself. It's, it's it starts Christian to kind of fun. sound like a little less like her toward the middle. You that's, know. Yes, that's that's part of Thank it. God. Is that with these AI modules, which is of course I put Amy Grant's voice, the audio that we captured for this from podcast her interview from oh our God. interview with her two years ago. Through a thing, and I was like, "Hmm, how much can we make it sound like?" Wow, her? can you do that for your whole side of the podcast? Oh boy! Well, guess who's got a little voice of her own in my in my I little know. library? Like, oh no! Well, you had me fooled because I don't even know what Amy Grant sounds like. <laughs> sure, I've well, never heard her talk. In she my sounds life. accomplished a lot like that. So that's why I asked. I'm like, "Is that her? Did she say that about the police?" <laughs> can you imagine? She gets in like a news cycle. <laughs> Of, of rage for like two <laughs> weeks if she hosts a queer wedding on her farmhouse. If Amy Grant, Queen of Christian Pop, said "fuck the police" in an interview, that would probably uh, another January sixth. Oh yeah, Mar- Marsha Blackburn herself, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, would denounce her. That's what yeah. would happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. They would kick her out of the like, state. You can't come here anymore. No, that was, of course, just a little AI goof. But she did our show description for us, so we don't have to do it. Isn't that nice? Well, let's move on. Oh, we can say I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. We're going to have good Christian fun. We can say that part. Thank you, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Amy finally getting up off her ass and going to work. (laughs) (laughs) Hosting this show. She's been in (laughs) surgery. She had a bike accident. She's on tour right now. She has a rich husband. She's That Exactly. You feel no pain when you have a rich husband. You just slide on through. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make her say that next time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also, she doesn't need a rich husband. She is the rich husband. Oh, that's true, too. And he's been around for a long time. I wonder what There's they're... Christian rich, and then there's rich rich, though. Yeah. I think Vince is a little rich rich, and she was, she's Wait, rich. Wait, is Vince not Christian rich? 
Well, he's he's uh, sort of big and rich, rich, which is to say, country rich. Yeah, he's country rich. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he's not he primarily. Was no, her oh, first no, no, husband no. Gary Chapman was more of the CCM artist. I... But he more comes from country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, Go Amy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Go Hold Amy. <laughs> it would be funny if he was just like pretending to be a Christian so he could marry her, which I would do. To I marry mean, that's her like several of well. the movies we've watched for this show. <laughs> yeah, Christian mingle movies. See, I don't know a ton about her. I just know white people are always upset about her, and mm-hmm. they have been ever since she got that divorce. Yeah, I just that's all I know. Mm-hmm. Even since before the divorce, they've been mad at her. Oh, have they? Okay. Always. Yeah. For. Being a woman ex- mm-hmm. existing, uh, being too hot to handle. I think it, I think that's actually a huge dimension it to it. Unfortunately, is. yeah. Hey, oh. Dexter, are you mad about nothing? Well, that was you. Don't speak Dexter. I speak Dexter. He said, "Fuck oh. the patriarchy." And Dexter. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> he was a Jeremy Strong impression. Yeah, yeah. But the, well, no, can't can't get into that <laughs> this week either. Oh, we're doing the hunt for the best. Christian song of all time. 1981 edition. We did 1979. Yes. A few weeks ago. We're jumping two years ahead. To rousing success. Uh, huge, it, huge reviews. It was an episode that set the world on fire. It made headlines. There was blind headlines, items about it. The Gospel Coalition had to post a rebuttal. <laughs> did they really? <laughs> oh my God. I wish. I'm so gullible. I wish. I'm so gullible. I say I'm like, that's Amy Grant on AI. <laughs> TGC wrote a rebuttal? What? Hey, is there anything you want to hear John Piper say? John uh, Piper did what? <laughs> he listens to this pod? He said he my butt. Now, the, the, John, the John Piper one, I'll say, is wait. really convincing. You already have it? Of course. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what's what's in my library right now? You know what? Let me, let me first of all, before we keep talking about this. this cursed library. Introduce our very special <laughs> yes. guest today. Returning after nearly a three- year absence friends and folks he is a musician he's a music director and he's our friend give it the hell up for william matthews hello hello oh he's giving a wave (laughs) (laughs) that is an intro i give it to y'all that is a good ass intro and guess who sang it the woman who said f the p fuck the 12 herself you know she's on the right side of history oh there's a Rich Mullins one. song that he sang, okay. and then uh, that's probably what it is. It's she the Rich Mullins. Makes sense. You're a Rich Mullins man. I, you know, I, I've enjoyed a track or two. I've in, I've indulged. Speaking <laughs> of the different kinds of rich, I'm I'm Rich Mullins rich, where it seems like I've taken about poverty in my life, <laughs> <laughs> even though I haven't. But right. that's how I would I would classify myself. There's mm. Christian rich, there's CCM rich, there's big and rich rich. There's gospel rich. There's gospel rich. Peloton rich. Gospel rich is like what? Israel Houghton, mm-hmm. your Franklin's on his compound in <laughs> Dallas or whatever he's doing. It's your Tasha Cobbs rich, your Maverick, is, your Maverick City rich. Mm-hmm. What is Kirk Franklin's real estate portfolio like? Oh, you don't even want to know. Oh, baby. Yeah, Kirk Franklin rich is a rich rich. Know. I think it's, it's a comparable to Osteen, I would wow. say. I think. He's uh, his, I mean... It would be interesting to look it up to see if there's actual numbers on it, but his publishing catalog, let alone like alone, right, is wild. And right? he pretty much runs gospel. I mean, he's the mafia don of gospel music. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, he he has his own Sirius XM channel named after him. Like, yeah, he you don't turn on. A, I mean, his song is played every minute of every day, twenty four seven, all over the world. Like, it's you know, required. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's. He is the face of gospel music and has yeah. been for 30 years. He's so. got a house in every city. I'm sure. I wonder why he never decided to really rake it in and start his own church. Well, 
Oh, that's the move you think? To start your own Talking church? Talking about Osteen. I get to the pinnacle. But if you're all that, well, this is, and you, you can probably speak to this better than we can in in some ways, the Osteen upstream, (laughs) but that is, that is a move of, of certain musicians of like, they essentially retire in church residencies. Sandy Patty did that in Oklahoma back in the day. Uh, It's definitely a a path you can take. I think a lot of members. I would imagine he just wants to be a celebrity more Mm -hmm. than he wants to be a pastor. Some people feel, want to do both. They want to be a celebrity and a pastor. Kirk never struck me as like, he wants to have a church. He just wants to be the face of gospel music. And actually, I mean, that's the best place to be. Less work. Yeah. Way less work. You can be king of a smaller, you know, uh-huh. castle, a kingdom, I should say. <laughs> a castle, yeah. like it's just one structure. And that he is. Several that castles. He is. I think so. And I, because it's him, it's a much smaller castle because obviously. It's like a golf height. course. Oh, that you're castle. making a height joke. <laughs> Sorry to our short let kings. These, let these short there. kings live. <laughs> yeah. I hope they do. I'm letting them live. What is it like in a golf course situation? You were saying? Oh, that's what the castle looks like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hole in one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now oh. you make me want to play miniature golf. <laughs> I know. I haven't done that forever. Well, William, thanks for coming back on the show, You're bud. welcome. Thanks what for having me. Heck? I was surprised to get a call. I didn't think you guys remembered me. Right. I, I see um, you all the time. <laughs> I mean, but that's... That don't mean nothing. Well, after all the really terrible things you said last time, mm, we had yes. to really talk about it. I'm sure. And we all remember it. Right. We all remember off the top of our heads what we talked about last John time, was right? On the floor. It was like <laughs> mm-hmm. Christian pop culture. Christian pop culture. Right. Yeah. right. Uh, probably your story. Yeah, it's probably a lot of your your guestimony, uh-huh. as we call it, of Lots course. Of, and then a string of obscenities. Well, I, talk, I won't repeat. I will say I do talk less <laughs> shit these days, so I hope that's <laughs> Is that true? Than you did three years ago? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, never mind. I lied. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk less shit. I want to. <laughs> the Lord is working on me. <laughs> Pivot is to that, kindness, as Kevin likes yeah, to Peter say. Yeah, P to K. Yeah, we're going to P to K, even though we're not PK's pastor's kids. Do you think that's a post-vaccine uh, side effect, is talking less shit? <laughs> It's like you get Moderna and you're like, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. My body rejected that. Oh, that came you know, I wish there was a vaccine called Mind Your Damn Business. Because <laughs> I would take it and make sure all y'all take Dose it too. Em. Yeah. Everybody on the planet, take your vaccine. Required. Mind your damn business. That's a child. <laughs> that People never roll. mind their own business. And I don't mind my own business. So it starts with me. Yeah. Mm. What would what would that? How would your life change on a day to day level if you literally just minded your own business? Now, here's one one change I have made recently in the last like maybe year or so. I used to reignite conversations with people I hadn't talked to in a couple of weeks or months of being like, "You got any good gossip? Like, what's the gossip? What's mm. going on?" I do that less now. Why? Well, <laughs> <laughs> the well was running dry. I also found that I couldn't reciprocate gossip. Uh, and then also, and I'll keep this delicate, I think someone that I asked that to talked about on a podcast one time where they were like, yeah, he keeps setting me up for gossip. And I'm like, I don't got have a reputation. That. That's a reputation now. <laughs> and then I got shamed. I mean, it was anonymously. Sure. And if this person listens to the podcast, then I'm shaming them anonymously. You two need to talk. <laughs> it's just a cycle we're going to keep repeating, unfortunately. Yeah. Listen, it's okay to want the tea. I, yeah. That's what Twitter's for. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time I really got a nice juicy something, something mm-hmm. from Twitter. Oh, you you're not using Twitter right then. Uh, 
I mean, the the what's what's the best thing I've gotten in the life? I don't know. The Coppola's kid. That was fun. That was a fun moment. Did you see Sofia Coppola's yeah, daughter? Of course. Yeah. I don't know if I'd categorize that as gossip. No, it's not. But mm. she was just like a delight. Something. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, no. I feel like I haven't gotten anything recently. <laughs> unless it's migrated to talk, to TikTok. You're not Twittering right. I don't think so. I'm probably not TikToking. All right, right. give us a lesson. How yeah, are we getting, how do we where do, we do get it? the juice on Twitter? Uh, follow black people, first off. Okay. That's a good <laughs> Mainly. Start, right? yes. mm-hmm. Always start there. Uh-huh. Uh, primarily. Uh, and just lurk. Follow a mix of yes and lurk. <laughs> Always quietly lurk. Just be quiet. I'll keep it to myself. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, follow, you got to follow a mix of journalists. Because journalism these days is pretty gossipy, you know, especially like mm. sourcing. I have a source that told me, especially the Trump years, like that White House was leaking like a shiv, right? Like it was a sink. Sure. Yes. It sure, was sure, constantly sure. leaks, leaks, Always. leaks, leaks, leaks. Even the Biden administration doesn't leak as much, but it still leaks. Uh, and so journalism these days is just, oh, it feels like the for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't have diapers in the world. Oh, <laughs> keep that from leaking apart. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah, they're leaking. So yeah, you got to, somebody said recently too that a cable news is corporate reality shows. <laughs> and I oh, said, yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. so much sense to me. So Christian gossip in particular is usually really depressing because the equivalent oh, is like, yeah. Oh, it turns out there was this systemic abuse happening in this coalition right. for the last 25 years. Right. Or this person was a fraud for this. It's really never bad like, addiction privately they're going through or something. Yeah, the gossip is never like, guess what? These guys are dropping an album tonight at midnight or, or whatever the case may be. <laughs> That's I, so wholesome. S- there, was some, uh, there was some Maverick City gossip. I won't, I won't go into it. Maverick City was, is a gospel had, group. Yes, there was some, there was some Twitter-ness happening. And Instagram, yeah, yeah, because they had released a statement outing one of their members, but then I guess they welcomed them back in. I don't know. What? No one knows why. Outing? What? As in like Like kicking them out. Okay. Yeah. Basically saying (laughs) we're washing our hands of this person. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. And And then then brought them back? Then like, yeah, I guess two days later they were brought back and it was weird and no one knows exactly why. See, I think that is like the best CCM gossip you could get is some sort of like weird power struggles going on or just like beef <laughs> with each other over egos and things. Oh, it is. I, those Everything stories Those stories don't get told. As somebody that was mm. lived for a hot minute <laughs> in the industry, <laughs> yeah. those those are the real stories that never get told. Right? Um, but you know what? I would say that if there's more, you, you said there's no good Christian gossip. You just don't know, Kevin, because oh. do you, you know the news about Mr. Carl Lentz, right? Uh, yes, that he's at the Tulsa church now, the mm-hmm. predominantly black church in yep. Tulsa, Oklahoma. I heard about that before it was breaking, His actually. Name I forget. And what's yeah, the story Todd there? White. Oh, Why is he there? Um, well, you know, Todd White, you know, is a young minister, a young black uh, minister with a, a mega church and he's, you know, popping on the internet. Um, I, I wish, well, I'm, I'm going to pray for that, that man. <laughs> it's very Southern of me to say <laughs> Bless his heart. Wow. I'm going to pray for him. It's like the Gwyneth Paltrow, I wish you well yeah. at the end of the trial. I wish you well. I'm going to pray for that man. Because unfortunately, uh, he let the fox in the hen house. And what he doesn't know is by letting that man to his church, he has pretty much sunk his church. Or at least su- Carl is a not just an abuser. He has a takeover spirit. That man mm. cannot serve anybody but himself. And he will take over that whole church. You know, some might yeah. call that the vision of an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> a spiritual entrepreneur. It's true. We need a startup attitude. It's true. Do so you think he is going to at least attempt to try to Oof. take over, undermine? There's going to be a I'd coup. Bet money. Do stuff. I'd, I'd bet money. Yeah. Um, on it because it makes you know, sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm confused why. Yeah, any church would open their doors to that guy because at this churches point. are addicted to the story oh. of restoration and redemption. Yeah. yeah. They want to redeem it. 
What do you know about, you said his name was Todd, the pastor? Mike Todd, yes. Mike Todd, okay. I'm curious, like, what, yeah, I was like, there has to be more to this guy, too, you know, and, like, who would welcome them in, welcome Carl Lentz, do a public, you know, announcement Ooh. for it. What's your sure. angle as well? You know, what's the history of your church? What kind of relevancy are you fighting for as well? Like, it's such a random pairing, you know? Yeah. Fascinating. It is. It's very fascinating. But, you know, um, perhaps, who knows? I'm not saying this as a fact, but, you know, you know, birds of a feather tend to flock together. Uh, and facts aren't feelings. Of course, and for those that may <laughs> not have listened to that episode in a while, obviously William is bringing many years in ministry experience to some of this lens and prism with which you can mm-hmm. see this through. Of course. Uh, we could we could rank our top five little pastor scandals of the last 10, <laughs> 15 years if we wanted to. Oh, man. I mean, I like the ones where no one really gets hurt. Yes. <laughs> I mean, my favorite, I mean, it's not, if you listen to the Mars Hill podcast, it's like horrifying. But the thing with Driscoll being just like, you suck so bad that even though you didn't cheat on anyone, and that we know of. That you didn't commit sexual infidelity. Yes, that we know of. We still have to fire your ass. <laughs> yeah. Because you just suck. You're that terrible. So you have made bad. everyone so angry that they will actually unify against mm-hmm. you to kick you out, even though you are one of the most famous like pastors of all time. Yeah. I I, I felt like I had a, a discernment on that years ago. Somebody sent me, this is probably 2008 or something. They sent me the sermon on masculinity by Mark Driscoll. You know the infamous one? Oh, yeah. They sent it to me, and they said, you should listen to this. I listened to the first 15 minutes. I was a hardcore evangelical then. I listened to the first 15 minutes of that and said, nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no to this man. <laughs> yeah. No no to all of this. Absolutely not. You were not bewitched by William Wallace the second. I, I was okay. not. I was like, what? My, the siren song. My friend was in that church for years. He's like, he's a great guy. This church is exploding. God's doing something amazing. Oh, it exploded. That, that <laughs> might, yeah, it, it did explode. <laughs> and most of those people that said that then are no longer Christian now, which is interesting. Okay. It is wild. Yeah. I wonder if like after so many of these, if people will start being... Le- I hope, I hope that people will start being less enamored by numbers at a church and growth, mm-hmm. since obviously that is not a representation of health, God, or whatever you want to call it. You sure. Know? I don't know if that's even possible because we live in a capitalistic system. Right. And the gospel is completely merged with capitalism. I mean, it's the Christian industrial complex at this point. They just don't stop. No, no, they don't. And they never will. Somebody will just, the moment one falls, another one takes its place. Yeah. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Grows as weeds. So in under a capitalist infrastructure, society, whatever, and having the experience that you have in the church, how would you measure growth? Obviously, like it's going to be something a little less... Uh, solid and tangible as numbers, something a little more amorphous. But what do you see as the quote-unquote fruit of that happening I think, in a faith community? I think genuinely like transformed lives. And when I say transformed lives, I mean people who oftentimes are in unhealthy patterns actually learning and finding ways to break free of those patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, whether through counseling, therapy, the grace of God, all in between, like all of it mixed together. Uh, I would say that's the true measure in growth. But oftentimes in ministry, we, we're looking for growth, but oftentimes uh, we're led to failure most of the time. Mm. Because 
people have choice in in this. <laughs> like right. people will even come saying, I want help and then fight you, resist you the whole way and then just go back to what they were doing before. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, as a pastor's kid myself, I mean, I constantly saw that. Yeah. So yeah. And that doesn't mean the church failed. Doesn't mean it. It just, it, well, you know, I think God has called the church to be a faithful witness. Faithful witness doesn't mean like the way Jonah would go. Like they didn't have to go, re- they didn't have to repent. doesn't matter if Nineveh repents. It's about you being faithful to give that message and to be that light or to be that help. Yeah. Um, and if they take it, they take it. If not, they, they don't. But it's hard to do that economically, <laughs> You're right? unless there's some right. like metrics and, and capitalisms mm-hmm. at play in that. So yes. that's, that's also the conundrum. Like, I don't even know if Jesus could actually survive capitalism. Like, if Jesus were to incarnate in this generation, I, I genuinely do I mean, I mean, I know he would give up same. his father's plan. And be like, no, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> like, this isn't worth. I got a it. nine to five. It's a really good 401k. <laughs> He's like, have you seen this thing called television, guy? <laughs> Mass media. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could have everything. The kingdoms of the earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Transform lives. I think transform lives okay. is, is the key, but you can't. That's a that's a hard metric to to um, measure. Yeah, because it's completely. Anecdotal and experiential, but private yes. a lot of the time, and very too. private. Which yeah. wouldn't you say that that's then the, that that resonates with the gospel message, like it being in the out of way places that you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed, you know, planted in the field. Like it's always a lost coin, like you going out of your way to find it. Like mm-hmm. it's always in the the hidden places. It's never in the the mass like celebratory places yeah. and mm-hmm. praise and acclamation and Grammys and don't get me wrong, those are nice, but like you mean Dove Awards, right? Yeah, oh Dove Awards, excuse yeah. me. Um, Dove Awards or K Love Awards mm. um, or Air One Awards, whatever they are. The these ultimate days. accolade. Yeah, like. <laughs> It's it's got to be in the the places that are unseen because that's where God mm. God is. I like that. Yeah, and it, it's again like it's witnessed maybe by one person, mm-hmm. and like that that matters enough, and that's still successful and important or whatever. It's not mass changing of lives if it's just yeah. one. You know that is still wonderful. You bring up such a good point because we definitely have made. I think Billy Graham started this phenomenon that like mass salvation equals mass transformation, and it doesn't. Ooh. You can have a million people fill out cards in Africa saying that they gave their heart to Jesus. Does that mean that these are actual conversions? Of course. Yeah. And like how many mass conversions have we seen that were totally hateful and like yeah. evil too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Numbers, it's like when will we ever learn that that really doesn't count for anything? It doesn't nope. show nothing. Nope. But you need to have funding coming in because someone's got to pay. We got to pay pay for these lights. (laughs) (laughs) Caesar's coming. So much of my perception of what Christianity functions as is 2023 is obviously informed by the bubble that I'm in. I do wonder, to your point, how much people do still rely on the proposition of altar calls and mass dedications and the like. The kind of like rally rallies like that. If they that do. is it, but I'm wondering like if it's slipped at all in primacy or if it's just like almost like a different uh, tool in the arsenal, if you will, where it's like been decentered a little bit. Well, I, I would say you are right actually in that. And it actually goes to the song choice that you brought up because I actually had a thought about this very topic relating to the songs that you sent. Um, because I feel like Christianity in the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s was primarily evangelism-based. And you hear it in the music. The music is not intimacy-driven mm-hmm. around God. It, at best, it's hymns or it's testimonies or it's about being a witness to the world, right? It's all about shining this light or God shining this light. But something happened in the late 80s, early 90s where this worship 
kind of movement started and you saw with Vineyard. Vineyard was a big part of that. Maranatha a little bit. Um, you started here this more what we call presence-based worship or Holy Spirit-based worship started happening. And, and these songs of intimate, very sweet intimacy songs and talking to God in, in very intimate ways or in romantic ways even, that became in vogue. And the worship movement itself is pretty derivative from that foundation. Yeah. And Hillsong then emerged out of that. And then, you know, IHOP, Morningstar, and all these like prophetic movements. And then, you know, Elevation and Bethel and all the things happened. Uh, and oh yeah, and Passion, we can't forget Passion too. Passion was big in the 90s passion, for that. And Acquire the Fire did that too. And you know, the Gungers were a part of that, Michael Gunger. Yeah. That was all like this wave of um, so radically different from the 70s and 80s. So I think today people think, well, if we just curate a presence type of atmosphere, then it'll be easy for people to want to give their lives. Because, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was just passing out tracks. It was just raw evangelism on mm-hmm. the street. I know because my dad used to be one. <laughs> right. You know, like knocking on doors saying, have you heard of Jesus Christ? Can I talk to you? And can I come in? Um, and leading the Romans road to salvation. And like, there was yeah. all these like very heady like tactics of how to win people to Christ. Yeah. And then, it was like sales. Yeah. Uh-huh. Apology. And apologist. The apologist. Whole, yeah. And what would, I mean, what would be like the secular comparison of now, like it's more of a vibe, you know, or like it's, yeah. in, it's environmental <laughs> marketing or something, you know, like well, where you yeah. have to have an experiential. Immersive is the word. Immersive. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like even you saying presence, I was like, I immediately know what you meant by exactly. that. You could describe it, but it's like, yeah, it's that kind of like floaty, Holy Spirit, transcendent. like emotional, transcendent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Ethereal. Exactly. Cigarose meets, meets you two meets Coldplay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. A lot of quarter notes. Yeah. Right. Uh, here, here is maybe my hypothesis based on what you were saying, which is the idea of the, as far as like a secular parallel, the rise that I would say in my estimation, the post 2016 rise of consumerism is activism. And as a sort of not, virtue signal in the alt-right definition, but as a way to express certain values and, and morality of like, I'm the kind of person who likes this kind of thing because it means this for the world. There's, I wonder if the parallel with that is the rise of these sort of extremist Christian nationalist rallies as far as like the Sean Fucked stuff and him doing- I call like, him Sean Fraud. Sean Fraud. Uh, Sean yeah. Fraud. He goes by many names. Many actually. names. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or like Dick Face is my favorite one. Michael W. Smith at the the Washington D.C. Monument doing a French kiss before the vaccine anti lockdown rally, where it's like this is like we need revival in the land because of yeah, because you know, which a, actually kind of goes back to like the '60s '70s rally kind of feel. I would say like in a so it's the cult, it's, it's a revival of the culture war. Mm-hmm. Trumpism is synonymous. MAGA, the MAGA movement is synonymous with the revival movement at this point. Yeah. Not because simply Christians support him, but the actual energy and thrust of all of it is something died and we have to reawaken this, like make America great again. Right. And so I think even what you're saying about this, like, um, what did you call it? Uh, this uh, consumer activism. Mm-hmm. And all that. honestly, it's just we, we've all stemmed from the culture wars, the 90s culture wars, which then died down and then got revived, you know, in the later Obama years into the Trump stuff. We're just kind of sec- really third wave because really you could say the 60s, the culture wave from the 60s, the, the 80s, 90s, and then now. Um, I just think it's all of our reaction to um, 
how extreme these political movements have become. And mm-hmm. so you have to differentiate and clarify to say, no, I don't support this because I, I support the environment or I support LGBT people. Or I, right. Like everyone has had to kind of mark their territory and then demand. And even, you know, millennials in the job place are very much like demanding their cor- their bosses to like, and their corporations to like, hey, I need you to stand for this. As, you know, particularly LGBT people that work in corporations, like, mm-hmm. do I matter? Yeah. Um, and I need you to 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 stand for this or not. Like, and we yeah. need to know that we need to have clarity around this. And 100%. so, yeah. That's interesting. And yeah. and it's interesting to like, yeah, I'm wa- I'm wondering what the Christian equivalent is. Like, I, I think about like almost the fulcrum of this stuff as far as the rise in like secularism goes with Harry Potter and the monocultural moment that was Harry Potter and that series of books and the films. And now that is just a political object that you engage with or not and, and how you do it and the manner with which you do says that like not buying the Hogwarts legacy video game that came out is a political act. And then for some Twitch streamers buying it was a political act because they wanted to Oh really? Express yeah, like they become sort of uh uh, lightning rods for, yeah. for all this discourse. <sighs> yeah, it was so sad because JK made herself that. I, I'm of the persuasion, but maybe because I'm older, I I just think I see the art as very different from her statements about turf stuff and trans people. You can you can maybe argue that she didn't have the best diverse representation in those books or those movies, but I think you can more argue that her books spoke against the messaging that she's currently Oh, totally. Uh, I just uh, finished going through them for yeah. the first time, actually. Oh, nice. The books. Yeah, what yeah, what yeah. made you want to go through them for the first time? <laughs> she was making oh, a cultural statement. I just really, yeah. I was like really inspired by the author. Um, but I, I was just, <laughs> I was generally just looking for a good book on tape to listen to. And I was like, yeah, oh, it's a good works. one. Yeah. So, the best. Um, yeah. But as I was going through it, I was like, this does not like sink at all with what she's been saying. Like if anything, exactly. it's all about like transforming constantly and mm-hmm. expressing yourself exactly and individually it, as you should. Yep. And like, that's the best thing you could do. Well, and she you, became the very thing that she, uh, yeah, you know, it's created, weird. Well, she became the Voldemort in my opinion. Exactly. That's what's so funny too, is like her reputation before this became like, wait, what? Yeah. And she became like a single issue Tweeter and celebrity, like her thing was like, I actually think Voldemort's not as bad as Trump is, like, and and kind of signaling mm-hmm. that way. And yes, the 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 deep significance and meaning that the books and and that whole series meant it to was LGBTQ, yeah, of it course. was. Well, and I think she would consider herself highly progressive, you know, politically even now. And I, I, I do wonder, this is almost like a different conversation. Let's see if I can loop it back. But I wonder if this is the thing that breaks the whole conversation that we've been having I get, in, in this major way for like the last six or seven years of like, is it okay to watch a Woody Allen movie or to watch the Cosby show because X, Y, Z. And now like all these things are being tested in real time, if that makes sense. And, and I think it's a, it's a rational perspective and I'm sure there's a spectrum of them to say like, Separate art from artists, that's what it is. It's not a material detriment or benefit to engage in this or not. You do wonder if that's the sort of thing that breaks it where it's like, okay, well, I can't do baby with bathwater because, like, say, like, I'm a queer kid who grew up in Michigan and Harry Mm -hmm. Potter meant X, Y, Z to me. So, no, I cannot throw this out, you know, and I wonder if that transforms people's relationship with this other stuff, too, if that makes sense, where you can just, like, totally separate 
that from like the authorship. It's deeply if that makes subjective because so art is it's, art is one of my favorite conversations to have, particularly this one. Like, uh, which matters more, character or art, <laughs> or integrity or art? And I, for hundreds of years, yeah, this, conversation. Know, this conversation, and I always land that uh, art matters more for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why we praise the artists of long gone. We don't know the drama, or sometimes we do know the drama of what they were doing back in the day, as the Renaissance. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, we praise them for this breakthrough and this divine, like, revelation and the art that was created, but they were doing some foul shit. You know, like, and the people that wrote some of the hymns that we sang, right? Like the Edwards, <laughs> like, of right. the world, right? Like, so I, the way I temp- typically rationalize it in my head, for better or for worse, is unless the art that you create are, is specifically making a harmful message. Like, for instance, R. Kelly. R. Kelly actually wrote a song for Aaliyah, the teenage girl he married, called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. It's the name of her first album, right? We all I grew up singing that song. It still gets stuck in my head sometimes, right? He's, she's, like, on the cover of the album. And actually, if you go look at that picture of the first album, he's actually in the background distance, like, leaning up against a fence, kind of like he's, like, weirdly watching her and lurking her. Like, you, like it's... Like a schoolyard. Yeah, at a schoolyard. Like it's it's so on the nose that you go, and it's funny because for Aaliyah, it's like later she stopped working with him. All her like second album to everything after that, she worked with Missy and Timbaland, and that like revitalized her whole career. But that first album was R. Kelly produced, and he definitely wrote songs that were telling us what he was doing. He also wrote one of my one of I think the most beautiful gospel songs I've ever heard too. That Whitney Houston sang right before she died called "I Look to You." One of those beautiful he wrote songs. That? He wrote I Look oh to You. Oh my God. And that and it's it's so deeply conflicting because it's like, here's somebody who's either cynically writing the song just because he's a good songwriter making money, or maybe, maybe in his cry of desperation, he was saying, I'm going through some things. Clearly, he was going through some things. <laughs> and he's like, Lord, I'm looking to you, whatever that meant for him. But you know, Whitney sings it and you know, it just takes it to a, a tender place. And so it's that's what's so hard about all this, is because no one is a perfect messenger, not one of us. Some worse than others. I'm not equating all things equal. But that's why I typically think art art matters more. And art, in the end, will last longer than mm-hmm. character flaws or, or, yeah. I remember thinking about that even when I was like in my uh, English classes in college and we were debating the intent and the message all the time of these... Yep. Books and we would go back into the author's life like that would even matter, you know, and sometimes it does. But I remember, I don't know if it was a professor or TA or somebody, it was kind of saying like, <clears throat> to your point, as soon as you have put it out in the public and published it, it has its own life. That's true. It's done. It's basically done with you, you yeah, know, and it's like whatever it you can want cause it to be. harm, yeah. definitely, mm-hmm. or it can cause incredible divine moments, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that your your barometer is a pretty good one. Like if oh, the thanks. message is harmful, you know, or is yeah. like perpetuating something and that's not really up for interpretation, for yeah. example, like, let me date this baby girl, you know, like <laughs> that's not something Jeez. we need to be yeah. like, well, and can I, didn't even I like still that listen song. to that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 it wasn't yeah. his best. No. But <laughs> <laughs> it didn't transcend. But, you know, yeah, but if something like a Harry Potter book can still make people feel yeah. comfortable to come out or express yeah. themselves or, or even go into a new thing. Like that's And that's why I have valuable. no problem celebrating that. And then you, you made the, the reason why I said all this is because you brought up people boycotting the game. And ultimately, and the, you know, HBO just announced that they're going to create a Harry Potter series uh, based on the books still. Somehow they're going to be back in the books creating a Hogwarts series. Um, 
Which, I like, I would say, wait 20 more years, and, <laughs> and you're probably, yeah. it's too soon. <laughs> well, that's know? the sticky one is because it's like, I think that's fine, and, like, you could keep working in this medium or whatever, but it does feel ethically murky. Like, I think you should be allowed to boycott whatever you want oh, if sure, you think yes, it's absolutely. wrong and you absolutely. don't want that. And if you don't want the the upstreams, as we say, going back to JK, if we, like, watch this show or whatever, that's fine. I, I agree. I mean, I still watch the Cosby show. I hate to say it. Yeah, and, and that's one of those things where I, I was thinking particularly about the Cosby comparison just because his art and him are just completely, um, from an aesthetic perspective as a consumer, Imesh. If you're consuming his thing, you are looking at him and his face. The rolling stuff there's a little bit more distance and removed. Yeah, because she's just, not, you're, yeah, you're not depicting her. And, and especially because like Warner Brothers and all the other powers that be are like, how about you sit this one out at this press tour and like, let's yeah. try to milk the IP and despite the profits being down. But in a weird way, they're still getting after the same thing. Like there's still as much distance with between Cliff Huxtable and Bill Cosby as yeah. there is between J.K. And Hermione, or whatever the character may be, but it just doesn't feel like that because there's that visual of a presence. And again, everyone's conviction with that, as far as like abstaining and boycotting, is like yeah, totally I, valid. I respect it all. Like, I mean, I think people, I think in a consumeristic society, you have you can boycott, picket, cancel whatever you want to because all this is being marketed to you, and you have a choice, <laughs> and you get to say, "I don't no, like that." We have, <laughs> and, and you got freedom of speech to say, "Not only do I like that, I don't think y'all should like that either." Right? Mm-hmm. Like people can. So I, the whole cancel culture conversation is dumb to me, or how people resist it. Because I go, everyone's been doing this since the beginning of time. <laughs> like, totally. People constantly rally around things that they don't like, and they want other people not to like. I mean, that's politics one on one. Literally. Um, but yeah, like when I think of the Cosby Show, what it brings for me is very nostalgic memories of a time and period in my life. It's like why I watch certain old TV shows like Mary Tyler Moore or Cheers or Dick Van Dyke or I Love Lucy. Like it's more about what it's bringing, like what it does for me than it is about even those people on the screen. And then even when I watch even Cosby Show, I'm thinking of the ensemble, like almost just as much if not more than him. Because of the way that ensemble shines, you know, and then the spinoff show Different World, which is still one of my favorite shows of all time, was the same thing. And he wasn't in that show at all, but you know, but he was the creator of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this show literally launched uh, t- unknown thousands of Black people to go to college because it was a show based on like his daughter Denise going to college mm-hmm. at an HBCU. And how many like H- ri- HBCUs like went went on and started rising after that show and through admittance and black more wow. Black people went to college because of Bill Cosby. Wow. And a direct product of his of his art, and so I can totally call out the perverseness of his actions towards women, um, and also say some of the things he did he did with good intention um, and wanting to help and uplift, and that made him that makes him crazy complicated. Yeah, how somebody who can ba- who can be abusive can do good can also at on some level do some good. Mm-hmm. Um, that W. Kamau Bell movie or series or whatever you want to call it in Showtime was an interesting interrogation of everything you're talking about. It's a show called We Need to Talk About Cosby. Yeah. It's told in four parts, and they interview like a lot of the victims mm-hmm. as well as scholar and everyone just kind of like yeah expressing that spectrum of like. Okay, so this is, yeah, and not just like keeping it and in, in um in in one stream of color. That's good. I I, I didn't watch it because I, I wanted to because I like Kamal Bell. Uh, but I definitely think that I think black people have had to wrestle with that because he was you know he was America's dad and he was probably the first 
major dad image, like black man that was a dad image in America. Uh, and also he built the NBC comedy lineup, which, you know, later launched Friends and and uh, uh, Seinfeld. And like that Thursday night block on NBC, he built and mm. NBC wrote it for like decades after. And so, so many people do what they do in comedy as well as in the industry in the wake of him, in a positive way. Right. And so that's what makes it, but, and then the way black people attach to art, like, it's very complicated for us. So I can imagine like, there's a, there's a host of, I hear it in my family, there's a host of feelings. Some, some I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> that feels well, yeah, very problematic. You slip into that territory where now you sound like a defender of someone who's done something heinous. Yeah. You're like, but he was nice to me, and you know, right. like and he, he did, did this good thing. Yeah. It all cancels out. That's not how life works for <sighs> no, people. No, that's it, not how it abuse works either. You know? I, yeah. I want to share one, story about this stuff that we're talking about, but I think I have to do it off mic. So no, it's, by the way, it's not about Cosby. It's just about like some of the subject matter that we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on that note, bookmark that. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good Christian fun. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's the hunt for the best Christian song of all time. <laughs> 1981 edition, bitch. Oh, Amy. What Amy, did, you got a mouth on her. Bitch. She is dirty. We didn't tell her to do that. No, no, she was like, I'm going to spice this one up. Yeah, she was <laughs> riffing. I guess we don't need to do the impression anymore. Now I can just type it in. <laughs> Much easier. Have her do it. We could. Now that's illegal, murky territory. That, Having her do the ads. I thought about I it. I bet I was you like, did. No, I can't do like a commerce oriented. No, the brands would not love that. Unless I said, unless the thing said, I'm not Amy Grant. I'm Mary ham or something like something Mary ham <laughs> yeah and i love it uh, i'm jamie stan <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that might be better uh the hunt for the best christian song of all time 1981 edition instead of staying in the normal zone that we usually do talking about 90s and early aughts contemporary christian music we go back in the time machine to everyone's favorite era, the Reagan years. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, the salad days. That's good. To 1981, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark was playing in your local, local multiplex. Uh, DeLoreans were everywhere. I think that was the first year those came out. Mm. And uh, none of us were alive, but we heard it. I was uh, glistening in my mother's eye because I was born in 1983. Okay. You're right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm old. Spiritually, you were basically listening to this. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. My parents were practicing to get me. That was, that was what was happening. Yeah. Do we all arrive like about a year and a half before we're born? A, a, maybe ish. Well, when nine our months. Parents are born in. Right. Oh, yeah. And then we're like, kind of like, oh yeah. I'm the sperm that won. So. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And apparently, I was around. And, and apparently, it was in Florida. My dad told me. He said oh. I was. He believes I was conceived on a trip to Florida. He's not sure. On a trip to Florida or in Florida? Like they went yeah, in Florida. You're like, a citizen you of Florida. This? Was it a trip to Florida or a? This is very in Florida. This is very Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. I, it would matter to me if I were was. Were you born silenced or were you silent? <laughs> <laughs> If I'm born on Florida ground, I would want to know. I definitely wasn't born in, on, in Florida, but I was. My dad said I was conceived, mm. and he he believes. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Still, you were on the scene. Ugh. First, first thing, listeners, where were you conceived? Write us in at goodchristianfun us- at gmail dot com. And let Ask us your parents and see what they say. See what they say. <laughs> and maybe they were listening to one of the two songs we're talking about today by Andrus Blackwood and Company and. Mickey and Becky Moore. A lot of babies. A clash of the freaking titans. Yes. This one. We're going to start with Andrews Blackwood and Company's song, Soldier of the Light. And today we are determining which of these two is the best Christian song of all time in 1981. And it's the top of the hour. Traffic's looking good. And we're going to cut to that song right now. And so on and so forth. I think we get the picture with that song. Caroline, did you happen to peep to see who these gentlemen were? Or at least did it remind you of any sound of anyone that we've talked about in particular before on the show? Yes, I did. Well, you might be surprised to find out it's actually two guys who spun off from the freaking Imperials of Trumpet of Jesus fame. Oh, And of the my last favorite. song that we covered, uh, I'm Forgiven. Right. So these two gentlemen, of course, uh, freaking Sherman Andrus <laughs> and Doyle Blackwood. The boys. They were like, all right, Imperials, we're done. We're spinning off on our own uh, adventure. It was, you know... Kind of bold, especially for CCM. Again, judging that they're kind of 40 years behind the culture. In other ways, an interracial duo. Yeah, I was really impressed by that, actually. A dynamic duo who put out, you know, easy listening stuff in this vein. Now, did they write their own songs? They did not. Oh, they They were performers. They were primarily... They were good singers, though. Singers of their own song. Having a sort of bouncy, step-pop energy to this... Where it's like, I Caroline, what what genre do you think this belongs to? Of our of our classic, perhaps uh, island destinations of genres. Island destinations of genres. A sort of 
Mexican drink, perhaps. Oh, it's Margaritaville. Yeah. <laughs> Home base. But uh, Margaritaville of Jimmy Buffett was urging you to join the Lord's Army, right. if you will, and become... You were conceived in Margaritaville, right? Yeah, that was... <laughs> I was born by the river. River Not of Margaritas. Soldier <laughs> uh, of the Light. Yeah, this is great. Love is my weapon. The Holy Ghost is my might. So I did hear the first verses once I was walking to darkness is sin and pleasing myself was my only end. Oh, that, that's actually a better line. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's peace in my soul. Peace in my soul. Or, you know, it's up for debate, you know. Peace in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> or peas in my hole. Yeah. You know, oh, which could oh, be the same thing. Oh. Listen, we all did a lot of things before you guys. Listen. And after. <laughs> and after. After and during. But one of these uh, sort of, it, it, it is in the vein of these songs that the Imperials, that famous gospel group used to do, which is like, hey, I'm a Christian. Now let's have some fun. It's <laughs> kind of a no, watch whole this drive. thesis <laughs> statement of <laughs> the pretty pop much, song. Yeah. Like, hey, that's pretty cool, right? Frozen. I was like, we've, we've listened to a lot of songs that have military themes on mm-hmm. this podcast, but never one that was like, also, you could be shopping at Nordstrom Rack. <laughs> well, it's because they're using soldier in the proper way of using it, not like being militaristic. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, I just want to love people and love God. Like it's, uh, So they're fighting for that, not mm-hmm. fighting for, you know, yeah. the Lord's army per se. I guess you're right. They're not leading into the sort of uh, agro prop, uh, sort of like United States connotation. Well, that's why it's, it's kind of subversive. Like they're like, I'm a soldier of the light, mm-hmm. not you know for the light, but like of the light. Also, this song is badass. I just need to say, like the production, ooh, the vocals, we got it. This the saxophone, like the, horn, the horns, it's on point. It's lush. It's very lush. Like. Yeah. It's not cheesy when you really listen to it because what's funny is I guarantee you there's some Gen X or Gen Z are listening to something like this <laughs> already. That's calling mo- it cringe. That's modern. <laughs> well, like I feel like this sound has come back. Like this, this kind of '70s funk soul. Like I mean, think "Cuff It" by Beyonce is a perfect example of that. Like that that type of soul is back. So I like it. The whole Wolfpack aesthetic. Obviously. Exactly. I was yeah. just thinking Wolfpack too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Soldier of the Light. Listen. If you're really fighting on the Savior's side, don't just sit back breezily. You take a free ride. <laughs> so many souls need saving, so don't turn your head and hide. Love's the only cause worth fighting for. The truth can't be denied. Yeah, it's it's just not evangelizing. It's like sharing your faith. Mm-hmm. It's really 70s like we talked about earlier. Yeah, Very, uh, conversions. Yeah, we got to tell the world. The world's dying, and they yeah. need that peace. And, you know, coming out of the 60s, they did need some peace. <laughs> Cause Man, I was watching... Um, Summer of Soul, that documentary. Yeah, Quest Love's doc. Yeah, and they were just going over that like was the documentary about the slap. <laughs> right. And they were just no, like clap. briefly oh. going through like just what was going on historically, the context of the time. And I was just watching that again. I've had this thought before, but it was really hit me of like people must genuinely have thought the world was ending. Things were so chaotic, like so, so bad. Mm-hmm. The social unrest, yeah. The social unrest, people being assassinated left and right. Mm-hmm. The stupid war, like it really must have felt insane. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame people for having very strong reactions to the 60s and coming out of it. And then some people also have a really chill reaction, you know? We're just like, soldier of the light. <laughs> like, that's, that's just <laughs> I like the idea that this is like, what that's, if someone had a chill reaction to the end like, of the world? I need to relax. Soldier of the light. 
That's funny. So, yeah, like thinking of people being evangelistic in the 70s, mm-hmm. to your point, and like really just like, we got to change the world now. I'm like, I get it. You also had the Jesus People movement during that time, too, mm-hmm. which was a lot of hippies that were doing drugs mm-hmm. and uh, having orgies. And it's in California, which was huge. They all lived in the mountains and were tripping on stuff and had visions of Jesus. And then they all came and started getting baptized in the ocean with Lonnie Frisbee. And now I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you right there because I saw a documentary called The Jesus Revolution no, starring Kelsey no, Grammer as no, Chuck Smith. No, no, no. And no, I no. think literally no, <laughs> no one had sex during no that time. No one had sex, and Lonnie Frisbee was really a side character. We can, I, I actually have a lot of heat on this because <laughs> that film was pretty much a vanity project from Greg about Greg Laurie. Oh yeah, did in my you see opinion. it? No, I refuse to watch oh. it. It's infotainment. We watched it's it for a, the show. It's an infomercial. But yeah, for his it church. is. It is about him. Yeah, it's 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 Who's, about his solidifying his place in church revival history. When the truth of the matter was, it really was about Lonnie Frisbee. Yes. Even the when you watch the movie, like Greg is the least interesting person <laughs> by far in like the entire yeah. cast of characters. And again, it's it the whitewashing of Lonnie Frisbee's very complicated story because that man was very clearly queer, and it's one thing no one wants to talk about, um, especially because you know that like he died um, very tragically because of yeah that, and he was open about it. Yeah, and and it's just also the the lack of reckoning with the psychedelic movement. At so much of the charismatic experience was birthed out of psychedelics that people just don't want to name or talk about. Um, they were also anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist. They were anti-war. Uh, they were. Can you imagine if all that was in the movie? Where it's oh like, my god! Also, fuck capitals or whatever. Right? No, yeah. like they were, like they were true hippies in that in that way of living countercultural. That's mm-hmm. why they were rejecting modern society, um, and that's what was really badass about that movement. And so to see it get watered down to some type of like harvest ad. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was bizarre. Very, very weird. Yeah. Um, well, and also it was like, it, and I said this when we talked about it too, but it was weird to be tooting your horn of like, look at the church that we grew out of this, the hippie movement or oh whatever. And I'm like, there was a lot of churches. Like yours yeah, wasn't yeah, the yeah, only yeah. one. There was a lot in the water. Like yeah. it's really more timing than anything, you know? Yeah. And actually ugh, it feels like a betrayal to the very values of the revival that you <laughs> were a part of. Like, right. oh, no. Make this cute movie about it. Yeah, but that's that generation. They they really like when you look at the the seventies and eighties and those church movements. Like, come, I mean, look at Keith Green. Like they they betrayed the heart of what they were believing back in the seventies and the eighties. And then by the time you get to the nineties, they're building mega churches. Right. I would like to see a movie about. I mean, it could even be about the final days of Lonnie. You could call it Ultimate Frisbee. Thank <laughs> um, <I hate> you. <laughs> <laughs> Our next song that we're talking about is a little song. Speaking of, you know, the Jesus movement, this is a group kind of based around that time where they said, according to their own biography, they come out of that. It's Mickey and Becky Moore with Love Song for Number Two.
Five more verses. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is she talking about an orgy? She, she read the ethical slide. She disagreed. So we should we should come clean about this. The reason Caroline's <laughs> laughing so much is because her and Nate did sing this to each other at the altar yeah, at their wedding. No, are funny you memories. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was like, this is clearly Only a gag, right? Can you imagine? Oh my god! <laughs> I wish I knew about this song when my, when I was getting married. I would have made it our first dance. But you're, I, be- to combine my favorite things, love and Nate, loving God, loving God, and, and number two, and number two, <laughs> <laughs> and oh. getting the opportunity to call your husband number two. <laughs> you are. I feel like I made this up two. in my dreams. <laughs> what an insulting song. <laughs> Gracious. I was deeply triggered when I heard this song. God number one. So a little background to this song as well. Mickey Moore, which is his name. His name is Mickey Moore and Becky Moore. They were a husband and wife singing duo. She was the songwriter. He was a graphic designer, actually, working. And um, they, they came out of sort of the Greenwich Village scene adjacent you know like they the way they frame it in their biography on their website is like around the time of the jesus movement we were also doing our thing and then <laughs> and then this was their big charting hit in 1981 is a song called this <laughs> yes this hit the chart love song for number two there's wow. television appearances you can watch of you on youtube of them singing this together oh my god this was not obscure for the time this got Play this was the moment, and of course, this gets at a message that I'm sure we've all heard in a lot of Christian relationships and a lot of Christian ceremonies and weddings. Of like, listen, you'll never be number one because to love you correctly, I have to actually love someone else more than you, and I'm more faithful to them. <laughs> and you're gonna then my dog, then my dog, then you. Wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> not the dog before you. <laughs> This list, you just keep getting lower and lower. Well, if we're doing ranking, you know, Love let's be honest. Song for number two. Sounds, Love song for number sounds two. Sounds like a MySpace top eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is love song for number uh, two. I, was, <laughs> I love that line. I'm glad you included it where she's like, now don't get me wrong. We don't do number three and four or whatever. And I was like, oh, sorry to your kids, I guess. <laughs> Not even charting at all. I was like, who are three and four? Is this an orgy? What is yeah, happening? I know. Let alone that. Kids aren't even nominees. Not they even they were clearly poly. Final yeah. list. <laughs> Oh, I wish. She knew people were going to ask. It'll be mm-hmm. a different song now. But yes, get, <laughs> getting at a very sort of, um, <laughs> it's an anti-love song, essentially, mm-hmm. is what it is. It is um, completely, let's see. Let's let's see how they contextualized it in an interview with CCM Magazine. 
uh, you know, love song for number two, which Becky had written for her husband, promising him that he was more to her than anything. But Jesus is number one. The song became a major hit on adult contemporary uh, radio stations. And they talked, Christians are tired of hearing of another preacher or singer or Christian writer getting a divorce and remarrying. This is what Becky said to CCM. They know that this is wrong. They want to be told the truth and see it in their lives of those who preach it, sing about it, or write about it. So this was like their anti-divorce anthem, I guess. Right. Because maybe her calculus was the reason they got divorced is because they made each other number one. But you got to make each other number two. Well, it's not healthy if you're not having number two. No. Regularly. Yeah, you got to have your number two regularly. In your life. And sometimes you have to push, and sometimes it's a bit of a struggle, honestly. Are you talking about pooping? No, I'm talking about No, 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 we're talking about relationships. And your love. Yeah, because sometimes it's like, oh, I can do number one every day. I do number one a couple times a day. Right. I haven't done number two in like a week or so. Yeah, that's Um, concerning. You know, you should be focused on that. Make sure everything's (laughs) flowing. Number one's always flowing. Oh, yeah. Easy. Like that relationship, no problem. It's difficult sometimes. Um, I'm lost in the number rankings. Get to number like, that's three. so difficult about this. I'm a songwriter by trade. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this song was so frustrating to listen to. I will say, um, well, no, it wasn't clear. I, I really, It really wasn't clear. I understood sort of what she was saying. But listening to the interview you just read, it, it was even more confusing. I'm like, what? Huh? What? Who is this for? Like, what do you, like, who tells the love of their life? You're number two. Like it it goes against every rule of songwriting, <laughs> right? in my opinion. Like you are decentering the person that you are claiming to be in love with. Uh-huh. And I don't understand like mm. it it oh it just irked me so much. But isn't that what Christians do? Oh, it is definitely what they do. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm always having this conversation with any hyper Christian or zealot Christian or fundamentalist Christian, actually. Yes. Because whether it's their view of the Bible, uh, you know, being the you know inerrant Word of God, or it's you know placing you know their theology kind of before people, that is always the crux of you know the, what I call the Christian trap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a self fulfilling like thing where like no one else can break this bubble. It's only just just me and Jesus. We're number. He's number one. Next to me, he's my co pilot. And I'm like, yet somebody, this invisible God. I'm not saying he's not real, but I'm saying this thing you can't see is number one. But the person in front of you that's expressing hurt, trauma, pain, or telling you their experience of the world that differs from your theology, they have to like step aside. They're they're at best number two, if not like at three best. or four, or at worst like your enemy because they're coming for you at number yeah. one. You know, I, 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 I literally no one gets between me and my man. Yeah, no one. exactly. I, I literally had to have this conversation with a, a family member of mine who has a uh, queer child, actually. And I, you know, we were talking about that and I brought that up, but they were, you know, like not for it. They're like, no, this is wrong. It's wrong for them to be queer. And mm-hmm. I said, I was like, I was just so deeply pained by the whole situation because they were saying, <clears throat> they were placing their biblical interpretation above the, the experience of their own child. And they, w- they wouldn't even hear it. And that's right. what was so, so then that's faithful. It was faithful because they're to number one. They're exactly. Like, <laughs> it's like there should be a sacrifice. Yeah. It should be difficult. But it's a weird conversation because it's like, I don't even know if you're worshiping the real God of the universe, other than I think you're worshiping your interpretation or your your version of that God. Yeah. And not that actual God, because that actual God has to be bigger than your understanding, right? And like bigger than your theological mm-hmm. box. Wouldn't wouldn't that God be? Like, and so maybe there are other people who are having experiences with God that are actually apart from here. Like you would just have to leave room for that if you're really worshiping true God. But right. if you're worshiping and I actually boiled it down with this person in my family, and I found out that they actually don't worship God, they worship the Bible. 
My husband used to say people will idolize the Bible. Yeah. And I was like, that's a great way. That's like a good term you could throw at a Christian, and maybe that would get through. Oh, my favorite you know? one that Brian Zahn says is uh, uh, the Bible is not the fourth member of the Trinity. Okay, more number talk. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> three well, or I gotta four. keep track of all fourth of Fourth member of the three P and <laughs> of one. my of number one. <laughs> and the three and one is my one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're the you're only right. one for me, but you're two. <laughs> That's why it doesn't to a, to a typical American Christian who does believe in the Trinity. I'm like, so your God is one, but it is three in one. You do know you're getting a three package deal here, right? <laughs> Father, Son, Spirit. Right. But no, this this person literally got found a way out of that statement. I said, sounds like you know you've made the Bible the fourth member of the Trinity. And they're like, no, you don't get it. Jesus is the Word. Right, right, right. And, and then said, you're in that trap of like, but God is Bible. Bible is God. And I was like, I was like, no, Torah is not Jesus. Bible is not Jesus. Jesus was a person that lived, right? Yeah. That you claim. But that's to, like, what we've been told, worship. you know, like yeah. at, by your pastor at church. Like, don't let anything come between you. But and there's the, the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. That's two testaments in one Bible. <laughs> right. And the Bible there's, is. Three versions. That's right. There's <laughs> translated NIV, over ESV in <laughs> KJV. My number one. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's what this song brought up for me when I listened to it. I was like, oh, this is that, this is that evangelical bullshit. Totally. Keep, keep God first. I grew up with that. And still to this day, a family member will tell me, you know, just when saying goodbye, love you, just keep God first. <laughs> it reminds me of like that, that kind of attitude of like, when people who like do crazy stuff like demand loyalty from mm, you, you know, yeah. or like do really mean things to other people and then expect you to back them up, and if you're not, you're being disloyal. Yeah, like yep, that yep, kind yep, of yep. loyalty mindset, which is very mm-hmm. clannish, you know, of like well, you back exactly, me no matter yeah. what. And I think that that's like people get to that level when they do consider God like their spouse, like or before their spouse or their family number one. They mean God are clicked up. Exactly. <laughs> like, gang. I cannot gang, be gang. disloyal, like no matter what, you know? Mm. Even if it's obviously harming my own child who yeah, I adore. They will, harm, they will literally, I mean, we live here in Los Angeles. There are full-on housing units dedicated for LGBT youth who ran here from across the country, many of whom have run away from Christian households. From like, their family. Covenant House is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Like they, that is a, a real phenomenon. They will harm their child yes. for their number one. Right. And consider that like part of their hero story, yeah. like how loyal they were to God Yeah, to that point. Okay. You are both really making me reconsider putting, just looking for my number two on my hinge bio <laughs> as I did a couple weeks ago. I know. I'm such a downer. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to take another it was cool. Yeah, maybe just explain. Yeah, I'll <laughs> put it in parentheses. This is why Soldier of the Light won for me by like so a clear funny. margin. It was just easy because mm-hmm. that song made me, when I listened to that song, it made me feel better. Sure. Like the feeling of it was way better. Feeling was good. Than this one. Rather than a woman smiling and saying, ah, you're my number two. You. you can hear the <laughs> smile and well, hear the dismissal. It's the every man who's ever been rejected by a woman in their life. That's what it felt like. <laughs> it's a couple I don't want to hang out with. You know, yeah. like these people singing on this song. I'm like, absolutely. Well, the cover art not. didn't change your mind. <laughs> Where it looks like he's piggyback riding on They're her. literally wrapped in a number two. <laughs> in the numeral two. Oh my yeah. God, I didn't notice. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I are. didn't really look at it. That, they oh, are. He's a graphic designer. It's the title track of the album, Love Song for Number Two. Did you guys see a Mighty Wind? Of course. You know Mitch and Mickey? Mitch and Mickey. I made me think of them. Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. Mickey. Do you, Wait, do you, was this a, a focus on the family thing? No, no. this was a Christopher Guest uh, <laughs> mockumentary parody yeah, it was about a, like the folk movement, like the folk oh, no, music no. movement. Yeah, it all centered around a folk festival, but they all did their own singing. Yeah. 
My favorite story about that, there was that song Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, which was nominated for an Oscar. And then Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, who maybe Gen Z would know from freaking Shit's Creek. Creek. yeah. But they performed it live at the Oscars. It was, it was nominated. It's a beautiful, just like straight across the plate folk song. She's playing auto harp on it. And it was written by Michael McKeon and his wife, um, Catherine O'Toole, or excuse me, Annette O'Toole, on a road trip down from Canada to California, they drove all the way down because September 11 had just happened. And so all the airports were shut down. All the planes were shut down. She was up north shooting Smallville. And they were just this husband and wife songwriting. Doing, they're like, all right, what are we going to, you know, and they wrote it on a road trip. I thought that was such a sweet story. An actual couple wrote it. So 9-11 was an all bad gang. <laughs> a lot of beauty. Did you see that Dana Carvey confirmed the rumor today on his podcast no, that he has rumor? with David Spain? We all remember Master of Disguise, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the rumor for a long time was that the the morning of September 11th, they were shooting Master of Disguise, but they were shooting the scene in which he was a turtle. He was Turtle Man who would go turtle, turtle. Yeah, yeah. And the rumor was like they had a moment of silence and a prayer, but Dana Carvey was in his <laughs> turtle makeup. <laughs> and he said on the podcast today it's true it's true no he was oh like gosh. well we had to have a prayer and it would have taken too long to remove all the makeup and we got there really early it would have held up production so he was like it was completely <laughs> practical <laughs> this giant turtle shell it would be even better if he was leading prayer in the turtle Bloody. outfit yeah 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 lord lord <laughs> we're turtley praying for the country now okay all right uh wow. well you know, William has given your vote, What uh, his vote, what say you? I like number two. I <gasps> don't think, I know. And I think you're right about uh, Soldiers of Light being a better song. It's a way better song. But I'm sorry, this song is a woman's, tell him how much she loves number two and number one. And for me, that's always going to work. I, this song is like a dream. I know. <laughs> this song is amazing. When I when I found it, I was like, I can't believe this. I can't this believe is it a either. Gift. I feel betrayed. This is why you can't trust white women. <laughs> You can't. Yeah, no, I that's know, true. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't uh, do it. Be careful, Kevin. <laughs> they will stab you in the back. But honestly, I have to stick to who I am. I have I to be you. true to you. myself. And you. that is this song with Vicky and Beth. Thinking about how much they don't love each other as much as her they name's love Becky. Jesus. Becky. Put some respect on Mickey and Becky's <laughs> name. Her See, name is song, Becky. <laughs> once again, as a songwriter, how this is very infuriating because it's the shitty songs that oftentimes win because <laughs> they grab people's attention uh -huh. or right. they like. And people it's a love gimmick. Them. I know. Yeah, it's a gimmicky thing, it and worked. it worked. Okay, um, so now I'm the tie-breaking vote. Right. I I love love more than I love war, mm. and you know. Army military propaganda, even in the metaphor used in Soldier of the Light. But I don't love number two as much as you do. That's really? kind of your market that you've cornered right. and squatted in. Right. Uh, <laughs> I have my own corner. Yeah, that's right. The, the potty squatty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, lyrical content aside, I have to go with feeling. I have to go with, with what makes me feel good on a DNA deep level on a soul body you are really dragging level. us out and on that <laughs> i must march in step with william oh, <laughs> yes and soldier of give the light give it to soldier of the light soldier of it's the light. a bop i'm not mad it it's is good it is a bop but you know what actually this works out just fine because that means my song is it's number, number two, two. <laughs> <laughs> and what more fitting a fate 
That's what it gets. That's what it actually wow. gets. It, it belonged there. It wouldn't wow. feel good at number that's, one. That's that's really that's honestly beautiful. A love song for number two. So to Soldier of the Lie by Andrews Blackwood and Company, we say yeah. <laughs> Thank you to the Winans. Oh, love the Winans. Um, they're from Detroit, just like me. Hey, how about that? Michigan. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, gang, let's bring it down in here to a more... What is this, a sound bath? Contemplative space. Is this a Hillsong track? It's worship time. It's Hillsong track. Do you oh. want to do Pick the Year before we do you know Transition? What? Okay. I, let's do that. No, no, no. I mean, we can do it over the sound. I don't need to stop this, but... Pray about it. William, we did 1981 just now for the hunt for the best Christian song of all time, 1981 edition. What year should we do next time? We're going to kick it to you, and whatever year that you give us, we're going to do for the next hunt. 1964. 1964. Ooh, you got a challenge on your okay. hands. Okay, you go back because people don't go back beyond the 70s when it comes to Christian music. Okay, yeah. 64. 64. My other number would have been 55, but yes. Wow. Okay. So is there pop Christian music going on? There, there is Christian music being released in America in 1964. Pre Jesus movement. You wouldn't have qualified at CCM though. Right. But it, there is Christian music exist. being released okay. in 1964. Okay. 1964. I love this. I'm okay. excited. I like yeah. the 60s. Oh, hey, maybe Paul McCartney will announce the contest that time because <laughs> of when I'm 64. It's oh. just a song key. This is a long walk. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about like, never yeah. mind. I got to explain this later. Okay. <laughs> Listen. I can't wait. We're <laughs> 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 <Or> explaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a juicy tidbit off mic for you guys. <laughs> William. We're not here to promote ourselves or to plug our projects. That is the folly of man. We're here to lift them up to the Lord as a loving and humble sacrifice, including our projects, our social media handles, and maybe what we're enjoying in the secular culture as well. And as per usual, we start with Caroline. Um, I'm soldiering on mm. <laughs> online at Caroline's Farts, if you care to give me a follow. Oh, yeah. Um, Tell Caroline. That she's your number, <laughs> your number two. two. Are the lights getting darker? Please. No, I think you're just going crazy. No, I feel like you're dimming the lights. I think right you're now. gaslighting me right now, William. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if I'm gonna do some lifting up, I'm gonna lift up a show. Season two is out. I love. It's on Peacock. It's called Grand Crew. Oh yeah. Free little friend group comedy. Carl Tart, Cole Byer. Carl Tart's kind of the star. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's so funny. Star. Um. Energy. Yeah, it's great. It's friends that get together at a, a wine bar at the end of the day and go mm-hmm. through their life. It's great. Hey, kind of what we're doing right now. We we had a little communion before we yes, recorded we and during. We're we're a little grand, we're a little crew. Yeah, <laughs> we are the little crew. <laughs> the littlest, the teeny tiny crew. Grand crew on Peacock, which Peacock's good now. It's Peacock's actually good now. I thought you were about to say Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, which is airing too. <laughs> okay, I don't season watch three. Real Housewives. I haven't since <gasps> the very first season came out. But when I saw that, I was like, this is an incredible concept. Whoever yeah. came up with that was like, so Because Bravo has trip. a whole, like, it's the Bravo cinematic universe at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're putting all their best housewives from all the different franchises on one show on a trip somewhere. Yeah, watch them. Watch them. If you don't I feel even like watch that, I could dive are, into no problem. There's three seasons out. Season two is my favorite so far. But yes, there's three seasons out. Okay. Yeah, the season three is currently airing. Just but yeah. Okay, cool. 
Thank you. I'm going to put that on my list. So it's your number three? Is it? I, I swore. When you said yeah. Peacock, I was like, that's what I thought you were about to say. Oh, yeah. Like, please, please let it be Real Housewives of Ultimate Girls. No, it's the, it's Grand Crew and uh, Below Deck. That's all I watch. <laughs> bravo, bravo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We turn it to William. Oh, um, the question is, what am I watching in the secular world or what am I kind of enjoying? Yeah. Yes. Um, well, first you off, you, can, up. you yeah. can follow me on William Matthews X on Instagram. Also mm-hmm. on Twitter, I'm William Matt with two T's, 22. That's my handle. Uh, yeah, follow me there. I'm releasing new new music this year a ton. I'm recording, writing a ton of music right now. Congrats. I'm excited. Some, some oh, of yeah. the best stuff. I have two albums I'm working on currently. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the juice right now. Oh, my so. gosh. Um, actually, some Bruce Springsteen-inspired stuff, too. You might be a... Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. listening now. I know, I know. Feature I gonna, Kevin? Right. <laughs> Doing what? Wearing a bandana and just like <laughs> rocking. Hey, <laughs> playing a tambourine. Vocals, yeah. Yeah, I could do, I could be Patty Scalfa in your operation. <laughs> um, Unplug my guitar. Something I'm watching that I'm really enjoying, nerd alert, nerd alert, nerd alert, uh, it's Star Trek Picard. It is wow. the final season of Star Trek Picard. So Patrick Stewart, everyone knows from, you know, the X-Men series. And he was, you know, in Marvel, the Doctor Strange movie recently too. You know, he's been around for years, years, years. Anyway, he played Jean-Luc Picard back in the Next Generation show of the 90s. And they revamped that character 30 years later. And season three, the final season, is airing right now. And it's actually coming on tonight. So I'm literally excited to go home and watch it when it comes on oh, at like yeah, 11 p.m. Because it's the next day and it, 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 they usually drop it in Paramount Plus. But anyway, the show is about, it's like a sci-fi drama with all these old people in space, which I kind of am into. <laughs> yeah. so like, like a lot of sitting down. <laughs> like, let's have a space seat A now. battle of minds. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's like, you know, he's like in his like uh, mid 80s or something. He's so he's old. definitely old. But like, He's in it? Yeah, he's in it. He's, it's starring him. Oh, he's... And, Wow. It's, it's Patrick Stewart, and I think he's given some of the best performances. Like, And also, he, what he did, which was really cool, was he took the character and pretty much blended his own story and personality with this character because it's 30 years from the last movie that they did um, from that whole thing. So he even put some, a storyline in season two about his uh, mm-hmm. mother committing suicide as a child and how that traumatized him. And that is literally the whole storyline of season two. So they're now, so it's an outer space thing. There's there's action, like there's you know, it's fun. Cool. But uh, they're really exploring some deep things. And season three has kind of been lighting the whole Star Trek universe. Everyone loves it. They're pretty much praising it as the best season of Star Trek that has ever been created. The fans are enjoying it. We're right at like episode eight right now, I think. So yeah, it's like. That's a- yeah, it's really exciting. Getting it's like me excited. I've never watched sci-fi. this show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just, you know, pop it on. You and your your therapist husband, just, just pop it. You don't have to know anything about Star Trek. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, qualifying yeah. your therapist husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> th- you and your therapist husband, Change pop how he it watches. on. You know, Star Trek is philosophical. It's not like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's way more heady. And it is wrestling. a battle of minds. Yeah, yeah. it is. About, they're like doing moral yeah. quandaries. It's all about like solving a moral issue and a Love complexity, it. which I enjoy. So it's, it's heady, but it's also fun action sci-fi. So... Shout out to Patrick Stewart, who I know mostly now through <laughs> our friend, friend of the show, Greg has, who we've had on a couple of times. Patrick Stewart will just be in his Instagrams sometimes of oh, like, nice. here's me and Patrick Stewart watching a football game. What? That's or incredible. It's because, so Greg does a show called Improvise Shakespeare over Largo. And Patrick, a few years back, was like, I'd like to do it with you. And they became That's amazing. the Shakespeare guy. Yes. Yeah. And he's so fucking good. So good for them. Love him and uh, Ian McKellen's love yeah. for each other, too. That's really sweet. Two sweet boys. Yeah. All right. Thank you, William. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. Peloton, Instagram, Letterboxd, OnlyFans. 
this this year on OnlyFans, I'm really gonna start trying. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! <laughs> it's the year of try on I'm Kevin's gonna, OnlyFans. I'm gonna post every nine days instead of every fifteen. You oh, really have an OnlyFans? Extend yourself. I'm so gullible. <laughs> he no. actually does. I actually. Do. What do you do on there? Well, you'll have to subscribe to find uh-uh, out. Uh-uh. Yeah, he's very cagey about it. Very terrible OnlyFans Mm-mm. marketing. <laughs> but that's that's the teaser. So. Yeah, yeah. Do people just want to do- see your feet, Kevin? No, you got to let them know what's I'm there. I'm banking on it, literally. <laughs> There's an old industry for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. definitely is. I, I wanna Mainly lift- for women. Mainly for women. <laughs> hey, sure. Yeah. But I want to lift up a podcast called Your Favorite Band Sucks, which is hosted by Mark Mosley and Tyler Mahanko. But specifically, each episode, they're like, Pearl Jam sucks, and here's why. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing that the the gentleman who hosts it, one of the co-hosts, Tyler Mann Co., has a very popular show called Cocaine and Rhinestones, where he goes through, like, deep, deep history of country music. Uh, he's the son of uh, David Allen Co., himself, uh, sort of country legend in his own right. But they have one episode that breaks down the ticket master of it all and goes through the history of scalping, why things are the way they are, why everyone's so mad. It's so interesting and fascinating, even if you don't give a shit. But any music history or anything fucking with that, listen to that episode because it'll completely change your perspective on all that stuff. Very interesting listen. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere, patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun. And leave us a review at Apple Podcasts because every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. William, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Today, bud. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's I'll see you in another it. three years. No, yeah. it'll be half that time. A year and a half <laughs> next time. And there's nothing left to say except for. Okay, okay I, I love you, Emma. Emma. Amen. Now, now watch, watch this drive. drive. <laughs> and let's you make Caroline's it. dreams come true <laughs> by going out with number two. Let's make her dreams come too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> That was a HeadGum Podcast.